Hey guys, Sam here. Today I'm going to be reading um, a chapter from my book that my dad and I wrote um, together. Um, make sure to follow me at Sam R. Morrison. And today I'm going to be reading the chapter on South Africa. <clears throat> Africa smells like grass and animals, like it's been there forever. I liked waking up to Africa when we were on a safari there. We usually woke up at 5.30 in the morning when the animals finished their night shift. That's when animals in the wild do their work, sort of the opposite of humans. Our guide, Vincent, would make us cups of tea that we would drink with a South African hard biscuit called Rusk. I grew to like Vincent a lot. He let me sit right behind him in the Jeep. He'd give me a blanket to keep warm in the chilly morning air. And he let me watch him clean his rifle, which he kept in the front seat next to him. He never let it out of his sight. Vincent had what people call bush eyes. It means his eyes have adjusted to spotting animals in the wild in a way that city eyes can't do. He would point at things and joke with me, saying, Look, the lion is right there. How, how come you can't see that? You have younger eyes than me. If he was any closer, he'd get you. We sometimes had lunch with Vincent. We, we would eat um, meat from animals like impala or guinea fowl. We also had something called biltong, which is a South African version of beef jerky. Vincent told us about his family. He came from a tribe where men could have more than one wife. He said he preferred to only have one because it was too tiring to have more. He also told us stories about how sad it was to see animals being poached. I could tell it made him angry. He said there was a well-known guy in China who had cancer and claimed that the horns of rhino could cure it. He was so well known for he was so he was so well known for that poachers began to increase the number of rhinos they killed. Six months later, the man died of cancer. Vincent Vincent also showed us a refuge for certain animals that had been adopted from other parts of the world. The saddest ones for me were the lions. They had a couple lions who had come from circuses in Eastern Europe. They had been badly mistreated and seemed to go back and forth between being scared and angry and scared and angry. I'd feel the same way if I were them. In the, evening, in the evenings, we would sit around the campfire. My, pa my parents would have, would have tea or a drink and chat, with, and chat with a few South Africans. I would listen to them. I, just, I like just listening when people are sharing stories. They sometimes think that I'm not paying attention, but I am. They talked about difficulties between white and black people in South Africa, and they talked about crime. Things were getting violent when we were there. Some, some South Africans were getting angry about immigrants coming from other African countries and trying to work in their country. The king of a tribe called the Zulus was reported to have told foreigners to pack their bags and go. A few days later, a foreigner was killed by some men in Johannesburg 
just because he was a foreigner. <clears throat> I don't understand stuff like that. Refugees don't want to have to move from their own country, but they sometimes have to do it for a lot of reasons. I learned something about ref refugees when I lived in Paris. We lived there when refugees are coming from places in the Middle East like Syria. They lived under bridges in Paris. My school class made sandwiches, and my father would normally deliver the sandwiches to the refugees. He, he once met, my dad once met a 15-year-old boy who had walked from Paris to Afghanistan. I can't imagine how hard that must have been for him. Thank you guys for listening. Um, make sure to follow me at Sam R. Morrison. And I hope you're all doing well in the...